covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'm your host. I'm going to be with you for uh, probably the next hour or so as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball as we do this on an each and every week basis. A couple of housekeeping items to get out of the way as always. If you do want to reach out to me about anything I say, if you've got a comment about something that uh, I talk about or we talk about here on the podcast, or if you just have a general comment, you can always uh, get at me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, or drop me an email, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. Also certainly appreciate everybody who has left a uh, review or ranking for the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast. If you do happen to listen to us via Apple Podcast, and you can take just a couple minutes and uh, leave a re- review, uh, that goes a long way towards other people being able to find the podcast. And uh, that's great. We want as many people to be able to listen to this as possible. So now that we have that out of the way, here's what's coming up on the program this week. Our featured guest during our social media conversation going to be Jim Goulart from BrewerFan.net. Now, uh, just for him, uh, Kate of total transparency while we are recording most of the podcast this evening on a Sunday night, the uh, Sunday of the Super Bowl. We actually conducted the interview with Jim on Saturday evening, first time in the history of the podcast that we have uh, done that, where we've had the interview recorded a day earlier, at least as best as uh, I can remember. And this makes it a little bit interesting as well. And I know obviously this is a baseball podcast, but Jim is based out of Massachusetts, and he happens to be a New England Patriots fan. And as I'm sitting here right now, I can tell you that the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. However, when we spoke with Jim, it was still 17, 18, 19 hours in front of the Super Bowl. So we were. I had him give a Super Bowl prediction, and you will hear his Super Bowl prediction knowing what happened in the Super Bowl, so you'll find out uh, what he, uh, how correct he is or how not correct he is in that prediction. So that's going to be coming up here in just uh, just a little while. Also, one other note for you: we have uh, reached the one-year marker of the podcast, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, this is episode number fifty, and we took two weeks off uh, around the holidays. 52 weeks in the year, so we have reached the one-year marker of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. As we've gone along throughout the course of the year, the listenership has very much uh, grown. It's been a pretty straight line in the upward direction throughout the course of it. So I just want to thank all of you for listening. Also, the the, the podcast gets a lot of traction on social media with the different uh, brewers, uh, bloggers out there and everything, and they share it, and it's been, uh, it's been great to see, and I'm very appreciative of that. So here we are one year in. We're ready to start year number two of Brewers X Journeys, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Don't forget that last part. All right, so last week at this time, my goodness, did we have a lot to talk about. We had so much to talk about because we were coming off the Brewers on Deck event where there were some things that were said uh, that were interesting and not more, obviously. Uh, it was just a few days removed from the signing of Lorenzo Cain and also the acquisition of Christian Yelich. A week later, still a lot of buzz about those moves. 
uh, but not quite as much to get into uh, this week. We'll get into our headlines of the week coming up in just a few minutes, but really the only major news this week uh, was the fact that early on in the week the team uh, does sign uh, left-handed pitcher Matt Albers to a uh, two-year contract. It's uh, worth $5 million. He's going to be he's gonna be a nice addition to the bullpen. I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen with him. They had to designate for assignment catcher Andrew Susak uh, to make room on the 40-man roster, and then uh, during uh, the period after being designated, they were able to uh, work out a trade with him as uh, he was sent to the Baltimore Orioles in exchange for either cash or a player to be named. So that, that's essentially the, the news of the week. And again, we'll, we'll touch on that even more here in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, we're still waiting for, I think, one more shoe to drop. And I don't know what that shoe's going to be. The U Darvish stuff, you know, one day you feel like the Brewers have a great chance at it, the next day you don't. You know, there, there was the report, the, there was the initial report when they offered him the contract and he felt like, okay, there's a chance. And then everybody's saying, well, he really wants to go back to Texas. He's got a home in Texas. He's just waiting for them to figure out the financials and you feel a little bit less. And then you find out there's the the Rangers just don't have room for him. They just don't have money for him this year. And you feel better about the Brewers maybe signing him. And then the report comes out that he actually wants to go back to the Dodgers. And the Dodgers need to clear some payroll because they don't want to be uh, at that luxury tax level. So they've got to clear some payroll. And why he's not signed with anybody is he's just waiting for the Dodgers to clear payroll so he can go back with them. So it's just a it's a it's an ebb and a flow. It's a roller coaster on are they going to sign you Darvish or are they not going to sign you Darvish from everything I've heard it's a it's a pretty darn good offer that he has the question is would he feel comfortable would he want to come to Milwaukee the general feeling amongst everybody is of the four remaining free agents from starting pitchers I say remaining like there's been a bunch of guys signed the four free agent starting pitchers that everybody talks about Darvish and then Jake Arrieta, Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb the general feeling is that the Brewers are going to sign one of them and I feel like that's probably true unless they make a surprise move and make a trade for a starter you know Chris Archer's name keeps coming back around I don't know if they if they have and if they want to give away what it would take to acquire Chris Archer. And then we don't know what other conversations David Stearns is having. He's pretty good at you know surprising some folks and making moves. You know Who knows? We, there could be a starting pitcher in the rotation next year for the Brewers that his name has not even come up a single time from the baseball insiders, from the Twitter sphere, from everywhere that, that maybe you could make a move for. But I think it is safe to say there's still going to be another move made. And there's been a lot made of this market. And, you know, the deal that the Brewers signed with Lorenzo Cain, as I record this on Sunday night, that's the largest free agent deal that's been given out this offseason. How about that? Let's just like pause on that for a second. Because Brewers fans have been so critical over the years about the lack of spending money. Who would have thought that here we sit on February 4th, the evening of, as I record this, and... The Brewers are the team that have the largest free agent signing in the offseason. It's pretty incredible. Now, that it probably won't be that way once a Eric Hosmer signs, once a, once a Mike Moustakis signs. Oh, you know what, Martinez. But these guys may end up signing one- or two-year deals because there's just not a lot of market for them. I do think a name to keep an eye out for, and I, I think there's a possibility 
they come back around and they revisit with Neil Walker. Walker was such a good fit on the team last year. They're not completely set at second base right now. Now, I don't think there's a roster scenario where you can have Neil Walker, Jonathan VR, and Eric Sogard all at the same time. You know, even last year when there were some issues, it you know it, it took getting into the 40-man roster time to really comfortably have that. They did some things with some pitchers down to AAA and some other things to accommodate it just before. But you know there were some injuries as well that put guys on the disabled list that helped them do it. But you know for for the most part, it was it, it the way I view this 25-man roster. I just have a hard time believing that those three can all be on it. But does Neil Walker make your team better? He absolutely does. And if this market continues to go as slow as it's going, and you're Walker, you go into spring, and you probably wait and see if there's a big injury that maybe opens up a door for you to walk through. But if there isn't an injury, if there's not a scenario where a team really needs a second baseman or a middle infielder or whatever whatever he's going to be, don't, don't you have to come back and have a conversation with the Brewers about a, a, a short deal, one, two years, three years at the very most? I think you do, and that's something that I'm going to be continuing to keep my out for, uh, eye out for. But I just something's going to happen. Something there's another shoe to drop. We talked so much last week about Domingo Santana and what happens going forward, and we'll talk more about that with uh, Jim Goulart coming up during our social media conversation. Again, Jim's going to be on the program uh, this week, but right now it's time to get to our headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week. Are we hit on it just a bit during the uh, course of our opening segment? The big news of the week happened this past Monday. The way things are going, it almost feels like it was uh, last week. But uh, left-handed relief pitcher Matt Albers has signed a contract with the Brewers. Two years, $5 million. And uh, he's a guy who's been hes been pretty darn good. Uh, in fact, he seems to be getting better as well. Uh, over the last few uh, seasons, uh, last year with the Nationals, he went seven and two with a 1.69 ERA. He appeared in 63 games. He had a uh, ratio of uh, 3.7 strikeouts per walk. So a guy who's not going to walk a ton of guys. And you look at the bullpen, and it, it felt like it needed something, and now it has it. And I'm not sure that they're done acquiring bullpen arms. And they're also going to they, – they've brought in some minor league guys, some, some guys with big league experience and given them minor league contracts. So there's going to be guys in Colorado Springs this upcoming year that certainly um, will, will, will have an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues at some point in time based off what happens. But uh, Albers seems like a pretty good signing. To make room for him, they had to clear a spot on the 40-man roster. They did that by designating Andrew Susak for assignment, and then uh, just a few days later they were able to work out a deal where Susak goes to the Baltimore Orioles and uh, he goes in exchange for uh, either cash or a player to be named. So we'll see. Susak, you know, it's still a guy who previously a prospect and there's just a it just didn't make sense for him anymore with the Brewers when you look at what they what they have from a catching standpoint and we'll see what happens with with Jet Bandy going forward because Bandy doesn't have any options uh that's going to be you figure it's going to be Manny Pena and Steven Vogt as your two catchers uh to begin the season what happens to Jet Bandy? Do they work out a deal? Do they just have to move on from him? We'll have to wait and see. But the logjam gets uh, uh, it's 
it's a little bit better now because Susak is not around, and maybe they'll get something for him. We'll see if it's a cash or if it's a player to be named, uh, but at least they do uh, seem to uh, get something. One other note for you, the Brewers uh, have announced the return of the Arctic tailgate. Uh, that's going to uh, be taking place on Saturday, February 17th. It'll actually begin on Friday, February 16th, uh, when there's going to be live music and games and activities, and you're able to bring uh, your tent out and sleep overnight, and then the next morning, uh, single-game tickets uh, go on sale. It's a really cool deal. You can get all the news and all the details about that if you want to over at uh, brewers.com, their website, and uh, what's going to be uh, going there. By the way, first 2000 fans in line on Saturday going to receive a brat, a soda and a brewer's knit cap and also uh, the uh, famous racing sausages Bernie Brewer and Brewer's alumni players are going to uh, all be on hand to uh, greet fans in the morning so that's going to be a pretty cool game. That is this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extrains, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on right now. It's time for our social media conversation, and we're very happy to uh, welcome in from uh, BrewerFan.net. If you're active on uh, that site, uh, you certainly see his work. You follow him on Twitter, at Mass underscore Haas. He is Jim Goulart. Jim, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? Matt, I'm doing fine. Thanks for... uh have me visit with you one more time. Yeah, you bet. We're glad to have you. And uh, this past week was a little quieter than the uh, the week before. We're still there's still a lot of buzz going on about what happened uh, the prior week when uh, the team goes out and trades for Christian Yelich. They uh, they sign Lorenzo Cain. I guess then just this past week, one of the new knows uh, noteworthy things is uh, the signing of uh, Matt Albers uh, as, a, as a left-handed pitcher. But uh, you look at uh, you look at this team; it looks very different now than it did even you know ten days ago. What's your thought process of what the Brewers have kind of turned into in a very short amount of time? Yeah, I mean they certainly protected themselves um, from any part of the collusion lawsuit that might come about someday. Um, <laughs> in terms of making some moves, it'll be okay. We're gonna we're gonna go up against uh, twenty nine, maybe twenty eight, twenty seven teams if we want to throw the Phillies or a couple of other teams that have been slightly active in there. But um, what what these moves do is they make me salivate for what's next because um, I just don't see them being able to stand pat with what they have in terms of excess position players and need for pitcher staff, pitching staff enhancement. So it kind of uh, I'm ready for the DH. I don't know about you, but um, that would solve some problems right away. And we, we touched on it during my last visit about keeping pitchers healthy. Um, but that's not going to happen in time for uh, the 2018 season. So it, um, it, it keeps me excited, but also ready for what's next. You want the DH. I want the 26-man roster. Let's do both. <laughs> <laughs> um Certainly we can see that, uh, yeah, the storms are brewing in terms of uh, the collective bargaining, bargaining agreement, and uh, I guess it's, what, 2021, I guess. Um, I think I'm right on that, but uh, where there's a potential for a real storm to brew. But in terms of, uh, you can certainly see that in, at some point, wouldn't it be great if there was a mid 
agreement concession where the MLB did reach out and, and say, okay, here's your 26th player, um, you know, as part of some type of give and take uh, with pace of play and all the things that are in the news as of late. Uh, 26th player and still no DH. Okay, deeper bench, more pinch hitters. I don't know, Matt. I, I, I'm ready for the DH. I, I thought I was one of the last holdouts, but um, I, I've been sold after the pitcher injuries last year. All right, that's fair. I'm not there yet. I, and I'll tell you, the reason, I, the, the way this roster is constructed, like, and let's say they want to go sign a Neil Walker, which I think is still a possibility the longer he you know isn't assigned. And, uh, the latest reports say the Mets aren't interested in bringing him back. So I want to have a world where they don't have to get rid of Jonathan VR or Eric Sogard and have Neil Walker. And in a current 25-man roster situation, plus with you know having a couple first basemen and uh, and Thames and and Aguilar, and then you talk about playing Braun at first and still having Santana on the roster, the numbers just don't add up right now. A, they don't add up. Period. B, they certainly don't add up if you're able to revisit Walker. So my my desire for a 26-man gym is more about right now and not some broader, you know, good good mission, whatever. It's because of this Brewers roster right now. It doesn't really add up. Well, I, I love my last give and take with you, I, you know, several, I guess it was a couple of months ago, when we, we discussed uh, Hernan Perez, which is a name you didn't even mention just yeah. now, because you were so sold on the fact that he would be a part of um, Craig Council's 2018 roster no matter what. And now we see that he's not going to get any outfield at-bats at this point, that's for sure, because now he's got five guys ahead of him in the outfield. And if you get your wish and, and Neil Walker's available, maybe on a one-year deal or a a two-year deal and the Brewers bite on that, then you've still got Sogard, Villar, and Walker now in the infield. So, um, again, uh, this this roster is it's not disjointed. It, it's it's cohesive, but it's it's bloated in certain areas. Um, we all know that. The rest of MLB must know that. So, I, I guess um, David Stearns made comments today that he sees this pitching staff maybe as the one that he's taking to spring training, and I just I just don't know about that. I, I find that a little bit hard to believe. Okay, so maybe that comes true. Maybe there, you know, we know we know with David Stearns, he's not going to do a deal for deal's sake. He's going to do a deal that, to from a very simplified perspective, that he can throw into the algorithm and it makes sense. But but all that being said, Jim, aren't, aren't those comments? I mean, that's that's part leverage as well. You don't want other teams thinking you are desperate for pitching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he has to play the game. Nobody watches his words more carefully than David Stearns. I'm sometimes amazed how he's able to do it. So he's, has he ever been caught off guard ever with his comments? Yet they come out so smooth and um, so. You know, they're obviously rehearsed, but they're unrehearsed, if you know what I mean, when, when Stearns presents it. And as a young man, for him to have already pulled that off, I think that must have been one of his selling points when he first interviewed with uh, Mark Atanasio. It says, I'll be able to be the face of your front office in such a way that um, I'll be able to play this game. And it doesn't matter if the media market was the size of Milwaukee's or if he'd be right in place in in. New York or Boston as well, I'm convinced. Um, he just, I don't know if there was a class at Harvard that was GM 101 speak, but he aced it. There's no doubt about it. And he's all, I mean, he's 
he, he's on the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast seemingly you know a couple times a month. He was just on with uh, Chris Russo on MLB Network the other. He's everywhere. It's not like he's you know reserved in his comments and only has to do media when he's forced to. He he's out there all the time. Well, and part of that was, and certainly with the recent push, I mean, my goodness, um, everybody from MLB Network to MLB Network Radio and, of course, any all the, the press outlets as well, they were just doing cartwheels that the Brewers gave them an amazing 24 hours. And I think that was part of the excitement. I'm sure it was there locally as well. And for myself, from a distance, being New England-based and, and getting the national perspective, um, what an embrace there was of this franchise in terms of thank you Milwaukee Brewers for just breaking even if it was just for a 24-hour respite what had been a uh, and remains a uh, somewhat hideous off-season. I mean, if you want to think about one thing, uh, especially for Brewers transaction mavens, which is a, a nice fun way of saying that even the most minor of transactions can can get a little buzz among the Brewer blogosphere and such. Well, last winter we were playing the Wheel of Roulette on the waiver wire. And this year, everything is going to be so condensed now in the next few weeks that we didn't get the fun of even having big league teams sign free agents, thus forcing them to drop somebody in many cases from their 40-man roster. David Stearns gets to play from the roulette wheel. And even though his waiver wire presence would have been, I guess, higher this year based on the better record last year, um, there's been very little of that across MLB and certainly for the Brewers. Um, yeah, there have been a couple of um, you know DFAs here and there, and, and but nothing to the extent that we had last year. Um, so we've, we've missed out as MLB fans. This has got to be something that they, they have to be concerned with. I think it's going to reverse quite a bit next winter um, with this heralded free agent class that everybody's talked about, but just popping off that notion, people I think need to dig a little deeper into that mega class next year and realize that it's almost all position player based. Um, it's Next year's pitching class is even weaker than, than this year with the big four on top, and um, th- there's trouble. There's trouble in the system, and I think MLB's aware of it. So let's let's kind of circle back and go back to the moves that have been made here recently, specifically with with Yelich and Kane in the outfield. And I I don't think Domingo Santana is going to be on the opening day roster. I think they find a move for Santana between now and then, but I could be wrong. Maybe the Ryan Braun at first base experiment goes better than anybody ever thought it could go. And you know they find a move for Thames and they move Braun to first a lot. And you know whatever uh, you get where I'm going with that. But let's 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 focus this on just. Uh, Yelich and Kane and assume that it's an outfield uh, with Braun and left, Kane and center, Yelich and right. Jim, how excited are you about that group of three in the outfield? Yeah, it's it's fun to think about, um, but I also don't want to lose Domingo's 367 on base percentage either in 30 blasts. Um, the, the defense obviously was a, uh, you know adventure at times. Uh, if if Braun and then let's let's throw Phillips into the mix because we know he's going to see action um, with Braun's not being able to play 150 games. So if if Kane and Yelich play 145 to 155 each, uh, it's very exciting. I mean the 
it's been touched on, but the, the lack of strikeouts from Kane and Yelich, they should be near the top of the lineup. If they're not 1-2, they probably will be. And the defense, um, Yelich apparently is, you know, maybe better in left, or maybe his his appearances in right field have been somewhat limited, but I'm sure he'd be able to handle it. Um, it's very exciting, Matt. It's something that they... The double team of those two moves uh, certainly opened everybody's eyes, and now we're just waiting to see what this other foot is to drop because I know I started out the conversation on this note, but that foot does have to drop. Do you, So give me the scenario where Domingo Santana fits in. <laughs> Domingo Santana fits in. Now you've got me because unless Ryan Braun, Ryan Braun's not going to be in the short end of a first base platoon. He's not going to face just lefty bats. And Eric Thames needs to play if he's going to be, he's very productive against right-handed pitching. So where does Domingo Santana fit? Where does Jesus Aguiar fit? It's, it's, it's something to really think about in this day and age of yes I know players don't play 155 very often unless they're just real younger core players um, it is a bloated lineup and I don't I'm skeptical on the Ryan Braun first base thing I I'm, I'm just you know pic- picturing him making that first 363 double play um, it's I don't that's how Domingo Santana doesn't fit, is that you're right. He's probably gone because it's going to be Braun most nights in left, Kane in center, Yelich in right, and Thames uh, and Aguia. I, I think you're right, and I'd love to see a, an, you know, a, if, what might not surprise us is that we see somebody who is picked up, who is a uh, a younger fourth starter type and we go really for Domingo Santana but that may fit the bill yeah and look if if Santana's on the roster to start the season there's a chance that both Brett Phillips and Keon Broxton start the season at AAA yeah that's amazing too and and for them to um I'm not sure who put a buzz in people's ears um at FanFest or whatever because I think initially the thought that's where it broke that you know oh Keon's got an option left which um uh, you know, I think some folks were aware of it. it. Might not have been common knowledge. So when they reinforced that, it was like, okay, um, that's good to know. But it wasn't on anybody's radar. No, not at all. And just the fa- and just the fact that they have that in their back pocket. But it's um, I don't know. Some people have referred to I think as dirty pool or something. If they have somebody who's at that caliber and they send them back down. But one thing I want to point out with the whole this whole notion of uh, CBA, the CBA, and not paying players uh, in their later years, and just the amount of control that, that teams have, is consider this for a second. You can be in the minor leagues for seven years, the first year being like your draft year, which is a partial year. But basically, it's, it's six and a half years in the minor leagues, and then if you're a player that they determine they want you to be on the roster the 40-man roster, they can add you at that point. Maybe you were a late bloomer and you've been in the minus for a long time. Now we're going to add you to the 40-man. 
Now we've got three option years on you. So we've already had you for seven. Now we can, we can still bounce you to the minor leagues for three more. And then when you come up, we've got you for six before you're a major league free agent. So it's an extreme example, but it just shows you that you could literally have a player for, for 15 years almost of control um, depending on their, their minor league arc. So it, it really is amazing. And here we are talking about somebody like, you know, Keon Broxton still with an option left. I'm an advocate. I mean, this uh, I'm going to make this sound like it's some sort of human rights issue, and obviously it's not, Jim, but it's for lack of a better term. I'm an advocate for minor leaguers' kind of rights and, and them getting treated better, and that's a part of part of me working at uh, Lowy Baseball for a couple of years and seeing some things that were going on. Uh, on last week's uh, show, uh, Nick Zettel from uh, Baseball Prospectus and I had a long conversation about that. At some point, doesn't the Players Association need to – include the minor leaguers in, in what they're doing and try to get them a little bit better of a situation? The key is going to be getting, um, just getting these, breaking the reins of being bound to an organization um, broken at an earlier age um, in terms of, you know, just one less year of minor league control, one less year of major league control, but that's going to be a major, major um, concession from the owners. So you can just see where this is going to come to a head in a few years. But, um, yeah, it's it's true. I, I guess I'll switch up just for a second while we're on that note just to say that um, from a player perspective, in terms of at least this bullpen reinforcement and whatnot, the minor league free agents the Brewers did go after this year, um, you know, Frieri and Hoover, um, even the kid Mike Brady who had saw time with in Oakland's big league last year. Um, I think I'm saying it right. Red Hamas Liz is a is a major league veteran. Last year they were kind of going after um, guys who had been double A and triple A potentials, um, but maybe hadn't seen big leagues yet, and that made up quite a bit of the Sky Sox bullpen and such. It really seems like Stearns has, has been focusing on if we're going to need reinforcements in this big league bullpen this year, he wants guys who have, have been on a big league mound before, and um, that appears to be the case with that. Yeah, I guess you had Rob Scahill, but outside of that, you're right. There was a lot of, uh, yeah. even at, even towards the end of the year, I mean, I, I, they were signing a bunch of guys that we never saw in Milwaukee. But it, it it wasn't quite to the point of desperation, but they were definitely keeping their eyes open for pitchers. Yeah, and um, so they're going to have depth, and they, I just think that they picture themselves obviously in the race from from beginning to end. Um, what will be interesting is there's a lot of National League Central to open the season, and that those first three weeks feature a lot of Cardinals and Cubs, so it's going to be pretty critical that uh, the team gets off to a to a good start. And um, hey, let's let's be excited. Let's be excited. It's funny that we are. Um, it's just the nature of the baseball fan, I guess. We should be just again, just you know, cracking some frosties over um, these two signings, uh, the, the trade, the signings, uh, the potential for what's ahead, and yet somehow we're kind of almost nitpicking at things that uh, why isn't just the way we want it quite yet. You know, I think um, in some ways the poor guys who have it the worst so far with this offseason are the, are the media guide guys who put those together. 
because they're going to be scrambling at the last minute all across uh, the landscape of baseball to make this happen. It's, it's fascinating to see just what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. And, and Matt, don't you think that it, it's, if they want to open the purse strings just a little bit more, there's no guarantees who's, who they're going to land in this major market of 2009, you know, next winter. So, boy, oh boy, if they wanted to really continue with some surprise moves here, um, obviously from a pitching standpoint especially, uh, they, they really have carte blanche compared to what the rest of MLB is doing. They could just jump ahead of the line and say, the heck with this. We're setting the market. And, and that's kind of exciting as, as we hold our breath waiting. So to you, Darvish, Jake Arrieta, Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, there's your four pitchers that are out there from a free agent standpoint. Do, is, is one of those guys wearing a Brewers uniform next year? <sighs> yeah, um, I do think so. I, I do dislike the notion of this whole, well, we're not – we're so cautious because of the draft pick compensation and the um, international uh, bonus pool loss that um, I guess they've already encountered with the the Kane sign, uh, signing, and uh, that would be impacted again with with either uh, Cobb, Lynn, or Arietta. So that's part of the reason why you think, oh wow, maybe they are really focused on, on Darvish somehow. I just, I have a hard time believing the Darvish camp um, would come to Milwaukee yeah. um, based on other, you know, other factors. You know, uh, I guess Darvish obviously has made clear his intent. He's hoping the Dodgers make something happen. Um, it, it just, logistically, it just doesn't seem like Darvish is a match, but that's the one you get the sense uh they would have to be so beyond anything they've ever done before. This is uh, this is Garza plus Loesch plus Wolf um, in terms of uh, commitment, and I just I, I think we're going to see. I think you might see an, an Alex Cobb, but um, don't hold me to it. <laughs> I hate the rule as it sits right now where you give up a draft pick. You know, a couple rules ago, they they created the compensatory rounds and you would get a draft pick, you know, between the first and second or between the second and third or third and fourth, you know, based off what free agents you lost. Now the fact that a team has to give up a draft pick, if I was the players, I would do whatever I could do to get that rule changed because that that stops so many of these, you know, uh, analytics-driven general managers who want to draft and develop, it stops them from, if that rule doesn't exist, There's we're not looking at you, Darvish, in a different way than you know Lynn, Cobb, and Arietta. They're all kind of the same, but because Darvish is the one without draft pick compensation, he's the guy who's worth the most. And I, I just, I don't like that. It, it doesn't feel right to me. It's a shame that the I'm not. I'm going to call us casual fans for this conversation, even though we we both know that you and I, you know, go deeper in that and our, and our love for the game. But it's a shame that even as you know, I'm not a lawyer and I don't dig into the minutiae of of the collective bargaining agreement. But it's a shame that the somehow that, that uh, Tony Clark and, and that whole legal team they didn't have the foresight to to see any of this on the horizon in terms of, of that type of impact. 
and it really is influencing. Uh, obviously, if, you know, if I'm Rob Manfred, and I'm, I'm I'm not the biggest Rob Manfred fan um, at this point. I, he just doesn't impress me um, with his stances, uh, with his public stances and, and spins. I, I just I don't buy the man. But um, it it really is impacting the enjoyment. Of, of making baseball what, what used to be a 12-month season. And it, it certainly is, it's just, we, we shouldn't have to worry about that type of angle when we're talking about the free agent market. And you're right, we should be able just to focus on uh, strike throwers and their stuff and how they fit into the rotation and, and even the salary structure is okay to talk about. But these other things... It's frustrating, Matt. Before I get you out of here, uh, you do a great job, and people can follow you on Twitter um, at Mass underscore Haas. That's uh, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Uh, but you, you're and over at the uh, over at BrewerFan.net, you're posting the box scores from Winter League stuff. This is Jim. This is tough to keep a, an eye on, and, and the information, the way it trickles out, it, it's not easy. So, of uh, you know, a lot of guys go in and out of winter ball. Guys, sometimes guys don't even play the whole winter ball season with teams. They'll go in, they'll go out. We don't know what's going on with them. There's there's all kinds of different stuff coming out of you know Venezuela and the Dominican Republic and everything. So very broad question. Question uh, from the from Brewers players who have been playing winter ball. Has anything uh, stuck out to you? Yeah, um, it it was an odd. I don't say an odd year. It was a relatively light year in terms of Brewers in in winter ball. Um, you're right. Um, MLB, MLB, I guess, and, and MILB.com, they do a good job, obviously, of, of at least providing up to date box scores and, and game days. So um, the big names that were there. Um, did well. I mean, Jesus Aguiar absolutely, uh, you know, raked uh, during his stay there. Uh, I'm, I just pulled up a screen here, 991 OPS in 24 regular season, what they call regular season games. That's the hard part about keeping track of the winter leagues as well, is they have this, um, you know, October, November, December regular season, and, and very rarely are guys playing all three of those months, obviously. And then they kind of have this almost six-week round-robin type of postseason where cumulative stats aren't really readily available. And then finally you have the, the league championships. Um, but Jesus Aguiar did well, and, and Junior Guerra pitched very well as well. He had um, uh, you know, about a dozen starts, maybe 13, 14 starts when you add the regular season and, and postseason portions. Wasn't striking anybody out at all, but um, it's a different game down there. A lot of the Latin players, you know, swing early in the count, so he was getting his ground balls, limiting runs. Um, those were the two names that that really stood out. Um, as far as others that might have seen a little bit more limiting action, um, actually, uh, Jorge Lopez, um, who still has an option left, uh, will this be the year he gets? more time at Colorado Springs than Biloxi, and will it be in a bullpen or starting role? He's a guy who pitched uh, very well throughout the winter. Um, initially, it started off in the Dominican Republic uh, because of the hurricane situation in Puerto Rico, and then he got to make one start in Puerto Rico. Maybe the Brewers did that as a little bit of a favor to him um, when that season uh, opened up. So he did very well. 
um, as well. That was about it in terms of really significant time for recognizable players. Young man named Nate Orff, who's going to be in big league camp this year, um, kind of a favor of, of many in the, the Brewer prospect world in terms of somebody who just deserves that reward of, of getting that uh, chance at a big league uniform. Uh, he did very well in his stay in Venezuela earlier in the winter. Now, Jim, we're recording this on Saturday night. The rest of the podcast will be recorded on Sunday, but we're doing this on Saturday, um, and uh, we're in front of Super Bowl Sunday. So by the time people are listening to this, they're already going to know who won the Super Bowl. You're in Massachusetts. Are you Are you a Patriots fan? Yeah, um, I think we covered it I, um, during my very first visit with you, Matt, that um, I came about becoming such a diehard Brewer fan kind of in a unique way at age age nine, I believe it was, and it's, it's carried over for, for literally over 40 years. But um, my other fandoms are all to the locals here in New England, so Celtics, Bruins, and yes, indeed, Patriots. Um, when I was a younger man, I had uh, Patriot season tickets for about uh, a 10-year stretch during my, my college years and a little bit beyond. Um, so actually, I went to the first Patriots Super Bowl down in New Orleans, very quick story. Um, it was 19, January, January 1986, and if you remember, it was against the bad, the big bad Bears. Uh, the Patriots scored the very first points against Bears that postseason. They went up three nothing with the quickest score in Super Bowl history. The Bears then scored the next 44 points. So it wasn't the best experience uh, for a Patriot fan at that time. But, yes, um, I'm very aware that the nation is bored with the Patriots and Tom Brady, and the, uh, let's see if they're going to watch uh, a sixth ring. That's the joke is that the uh, Brady's hand injury was preparing a sixth finger for his sixth ring. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yes, and, yes, very much um, I did also hurt when the Packers beat the Drew Bledsoe Patriots uh, back in the mid-'90s. Desmond Howard's kickoff return still pains me to this day. We have in common that we've both been to a Patriots Super Bowl because I went to the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, but I was a Rams fan when they were in St. Louis. Wow. And uh, that was – I'm, I'm so you still, saw the U2 show. I did. You know what? That was incredible. Yeah. It, was, it was the first uh, Super Bowl after 9/11, and that's when they scrolled yep. all the names of uh, of the victims on a board. While U2, I think they were doing "Where the Streets Have No Name," if I remember correctly. It was that. As far as I'm concerned, that was the best part of the evening because it did not go so well for the team that I was rooting for. Yeah, um, it was the greatest show on turf that was uh, impacted. I think a bit by. Um, the, the, the officials let the, the Patriots secondary um, uh, do quite a mugging that night. So, uh, but yes, that was amazing that you got to see that uh, that particular performance and and, and Super Bowl. So, um, yep, we uh, we get to enjoy a bit more before it's baseball, baseball, baseball. Yeah. Are, do you have a prediction? Are the Patriots going to win this thing? And again, people are listening to this after the game, so we'll see how correct you are. But are, are the Patriots going to win the it? game? Uh, Patriots twenty-four. 
Uh, Eagles 23, Steven Guskowski with less than a minute to go. All right. Puts them up by one. Puts it, them up by one. It is 9.42 Central Time, now <laughs> 9.43 on a Saturday evening before the Super Bowl. So there's the timestamp that goes along with that. Jim, great stuff as always. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, do enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll be talking uh, you know, real soon after spring training gets underway. Yeah, Matt, I, I hope that the next time we get to talk, we got actual box scores and, and, uh, and more player movement. I really think that something potentially is on the horizon. It has to be for this team. I think it was the theme of our, our chat tonight was that something uh, potentially really big is still pending. And if, it, if not, it's going to be fascinating to see how, how this roster is structured. There's no fluff, that's for sure, and um, that means that there's interesting moves to come. Yeah, no Ramon Flores or anybody like that. This this is a exactly. Yeah. I, I will never. I, it's going to be hard getting past my memories of the Ramon Flores era. Um, Flor Alex so, Presley. E R R O R. Yeah. Oh geez. All right. Great stuff, Jim. Thank you so much. All right. You take care, sir. And that was my conversation with uh, Jim Goulart. Again, we recorded that on Saturday. The rest of the podcast we are review we are recording on Sunday, but we uh, got that interview out of the way a day early. And his Super Bowl prediction, it did not exactly come true, but that's all right. Hopefully Jim's doing all right. I, I, I know he's a Patriots fan. I don't get this. Maybe I'm wrong on this, and he listens, so I'm sure he'll let me know one way or another. While he's a Patriots fan, I don't get the sense that he's the, the diehard. Patriots fan, so I don't think he was um, falling asleep crying uh, after the game on Sunday, but you never know, I guess. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Just a reminder for you, pitchers and catchers reporting. It's getting closer and closer and closer. We are 10 days out from the report date. Uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, is when they will report the first workout on February 15th. Uh, position players reporting on the 19th, having their first workout on the 20th. And really a lot of players already uh, in Arizona getting ready, guys. Uh, go early and start to uh, get adjusted to the weather and everything. Some of the guys had been there uh, previously, even before uh, Brewers on deck. But for a lot of folks, they go to the on-deck event in Milwaukee. And then the next thing to do is uh, to uh, get to Arizona. In fact, who was it who said this? Uh, was it Travis Shaw? Maybe it was Travis Shaw. I'm trying to remember. We talked to so many guys. I think it was Travis Shaw, but don't don't quote me on who it was. Not that it really matters. Uh, but they said uh, on our interview last week on our WTMJ show at uh, On Deck that uh, they always go to uh, spring training the day after the Super Bowl. That the Super Bowl marks the end of winter for them, and they head to their uh, spring training site. Uh, they leave on that Monday after the Super Bowl. So uh, that's uh, definitely a mile marker. Uh, because for a lot of people, no disrespect meant to, to basketball, but as the football season comes to an end with the Super Bowl, a lot of people are already looking forward to what's going to happen with baseball. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this week's program. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We absolutely appreciate it. Again, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air. We'll talk to you next week for another edition. Uh, thanks also as well. I should say this before I go. My guest this week, Jim Goulart. Thanks again to him for joining us during our social media conversation. With that, we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.